everyone. Welcome back to Beyond the Couch with Bridges Mental Health. How are we all feeling today? Well, we're recording today on Friday afternoon, so you're getting us <laughs> at our best, maybe? <laughs> it's the end of <laughs> maybe. our week. Maybe. <laughs> um, and I guess for me, I actually had a final session with a long, long-term client today which was, you know, bittersweet, heartwarming. And so I, I'm sort of still with that right now. I had one of those today too. Oh, <laughs> yeah. I feel you on like the bittersweet heartwarming. It can feel so nice to have a therapeutic relationship sort of wrap up or come to a close because I, I like it because we get to reflect and share all these nice things about how we feel about each other, like how we felt in the work. And it's also sad. We lose that kind of chance to talk to someone that we've been talking to every week mm-hmm. for the past, however many months or years or so. Yeah. And because of the nature of this relationship being so intimate, going from talking about these really serious, deep even trivial things on a weekly basis to um, like no relationship at all, really, right. Can be really an adjustment. Yeah. Diana, that I had a joyful termination with a client a little while back and those, there's so many things about that, that can be nice. Like the parts of it that feel sweet and you celebrate the client's progress. But this client had said to me a couple of times, like, Oh, I feel like you do this all the time. And so it's not going to affect you in any way. And, and I really had the thought of, I genuinely miss my clients sometimes when we terminate, it, you know, oftentimes it feels like it's the right decision or that it makes sense that we're terminating or they were looking for something different. But I think we forget a little bit that our therapists also feel invested in the relationship in some way, even if it's in a slightly different way. Hmm, that's so interesting. They thought that it wouldn't really affect you. I know. And I had to tell them, I, I do feel affected. I will miss you. <laughs> we do have feelings. <laughs> I think oh. about my past clients all the time. I'm like, oh, I really feel so much love for them wherever they are. I'm just imagining or hoping that their life is, is going okay. Mm-hmm. It's like some yeah. of my favorite memories sometimes, like favorite interpersonal relationship memories, like with clients. Yeah. And I don't want to go too far off topic, but I also imagine that, you know, there's certain clients that just because there's more commonalities or like a shared sense of humor, that there is that thought that, oh, if I didn't know this person through therapy, we'd probably be friends. Definitely. I've definitely felt that with clients and, uh, you know, I've had clients share that with me and it's such a tough thing around we connect in all these ways and perhaps we're even close in age. And so in some ways there might be almost like a peer dynamic, but, um, one thing that a mentor of mine shared, which I think about often, and I think is helpful when we think about this work is this idea that people are sometimes meant to come in your life in a certain capacity. And what would it mean if like, this was the ways in which the universe meant for us to meet that I was your therapist and you were my client instead of perhaps a friendship that is possible, but isn't really the nature of the relationship that we have. Mm, Yeah. That there's some boundaries or structures about this relationship that maybe allows for the type of connection that we had with our client. Cause Mm -hmm. I'm imagining too, if, if I was 
there's some clients that I enjoy so much and I similarly could imagine being friends with them. And if I met them in a different setting, I don't know how I would feel or how I would be mm-hmm. interacting with them or if the same kind of depth would really be as present because just the nature of a therapy session, we're ready to go deeper and ready to connect on a far more vulnerable level than we might feel with people we're interested in being friends with more personally. It's funny that this came up, Diana, when you said, you know, not trying to get us off topic, because this is actually, yeah, I feel, a perfect our transition topic. to our topic, which is <laughs> <Yes>. adult friendships. <laughs> so your therapist cannot be your adult friendship, but but, <laughs> but other um, people out there yes. can be. <laughs> yes, yes. Great transition. <laughs> yeah, I think we feel like the, like a glimmer of what, when we notice or recognize something that feels like, oh, I could be friends with them. And even in adult friendships or in adult settings, we don't have those like natural reasons to be connected to people or natural reasons to like see people in class every day or every week and kind of navigating the awkwardness and like the platonic flirting of becoming friends. I've been noticing that a lot in terms of like maybe what clients bring up, but even in my own life of what my friendships have looked like or evolved throughout my adulthood and being outside of college or outside of grad school or certain jobs where it's harder to make friends. Yeah. I like that term platonic flirting. Um, (laughs) I mean, I think of it as like a dance, right? But yeah, flirting, just (laughs) seeing if that person likes you, do they want to deepen it, take it to the next step. And that all takes time and space. Right. <laughs> like who asks to hang out first outside of whatever setting you're meeting in originally, like ask to get coffee or hang out. One thing I think about often is when it comes to making a transition in adulthood, Christy, like you mentioned, it can be so much harder to make connections outside of a setting like school or some structured environment like work. And I've worked with a lot of people who have come to New York and not really known many people or for whatever reason found their network kind of fall away. Maybe they move. Yeah, I think just continuing along with that, there are a lot of people that I work with who are not from New York, right? And they're coming to New York for a job to try to do something with their career. And they might have, you know, a couple of friends here in the city, but they're not close. And For some of them, it's about learning how to have closeness or even recognizing that just because they know each other, it doesn't mean that they're going to be friends either. And there's some sometimes like pressure to to want to form friendships just to have them, just to have a network, whereas other people just don't feel like they even know how to go about that process. Yeah, I find too that it's interesting because when you, we talk about the ways in which creating friendships feels a little bit like flirting and a little bit like dating, who's going to make the first move? But one thing that I do find is pretty different is that there is a lot of shame around not having friends in a different way than I think there's shame around not being in a relationship. You know, there's a lot of talk about whatever, being single. There's like stuff that you can find, community, other single folks, but And just some of my work with clients who, for whatever reason, find that they don't have a built out network of friends and they don't really know how to navigate that in adult life. There's a lot of shame and embarrassment there. Yeah. You made me think of um, some 
clients who I know have sort of thought about friendships as in this specific way, like, oh, I do have friends. I just have like one or two or three, but I don't have the group. I don't have a group that I always go out with that will always be there for my birthday. Like I want that, you know, and that's something I hear a lot. I often hear that. And I've also felt that myself like looking at my friendships and feeling like I have individual connections or friendships, but like, where is this group that I was craving? Maybe, especially when I was in college or a teenager where it seems like everyone else has a group or has like a go-to circle of people to celebrate your birthday or do those things with. And it always feels like there's a difference between other people and us or how we know our own intimate friendships. Definitely. I hear folks all the time talk about you know, I'm the only one that's in this position. And that is so X, Y, Z embarrassing. I don't know, whatever that person feels about the fact that they are maybe in a position where they don't have many people where they can hang out with or spend time with. And it's funny. I used to facilitate an interpersonal process group and me and the person who started it together wanted to create this community for so many of our clients who felt like they didn't have one. And it's interesting because in a city like New York, where I think a lot of people can feel isolated or can fill their time with work or so many other things to feel busy. There are so many people who really do feel that way. And Christy, I I appreciate you sharing that you have felt that way in the past. I definitely felt that way. I think, especially in college around feeling like I didn't have a community of people. I didn't have the friend group where you all roll up to the party together or whatever. Yeah. I mean, I felt the same way too. And I think back to that time and I remember there was a group of friends that I was friends with and they were very close and I had more individual relationships with a few of them, but not all of them. I remember thinking, oh, I could be part of this group. I just need to like join this society or something. And I could be, they would be my group. But I also didn't, there was a part of me that didn't want to do that either. And so I think I felt this like tension of if I want that ready-made group, I could do this, but I also don't want that. And in the meantime, I felt sort of like in the middle of nowhere. (laughs) Yeah. I think too, when I have maybe been a part of certain friendships or social circles that might appear to be like that go-to group, there's so many more complicated dynamics once you get further inside of it. Um, And even seeing different friendships, like through my partner and his social group or hearing about clients and their feelings about their own friendships. There's so much more than just like, oh yeah, I have this easy go-to social group that never has any dynamics or conflict or tricky things to navigate. I feel like when we get closer or kind of dispel our notions about what other people's relationships look like, there's so much more to it. And some people who seem like they're so connected might actually feel quite lonely and I wonder if that's also something that is driving a lot of the conversations around adult friendships on social media or in real life in this sense of loneliness mm-hmm. that a lot of us might feel and believe that other people don't feel the same loneliness. Yeah. How much is stopping someone from reaching out and asking that person to hang out because you assume that that person's so busy or they have this like totally complete social life and why would they need another friend? And there is a real possibility that the person might be thinking the exact same thing about you. And that if you felt that you had like a potentially fun connection, what's the harm in seeing where it can go? Yeah, it's, it's still you know, hard to put yourself out there no matter what it is, whether it's in a romantic way or in a platonic way. Um, And I think also just with being 
at home for the last year and a half, almost two years, and you're really feeling the sense of like loneliness, lack of connection. And it really feels like, oh, I might be the, you know, am I the only one who's sitting at home without anybody? You know, what about all my other friends who have this or that? They have roommates or they have, you know, a partner or something, right? And it's easy for people to feel even more isolated. I think what can come up into it too is the cultural piece of it too. And us speaking around like our Asian identified or Asian American identified experiences too, like initiating or creating friendships might be a little difficult depending on how we are perceiving. Like if I think back to being younger and thinking about who would feel like a good friend, I think there's some cultural pieces that I might make assumptions about of like what they would understand or if it seems like they have a lot of other Asian friends or not a lot of Asian friends. I think that that's something that can be top of mind or at least like somewhere in the subconscious around when we're looking around and in a big city like New York, but who could really align with me um, or Mm -hmm. we're wondering like, how is someone going to feel about COVID or how are they going to navigate like me talking about like family drama during the holidays or something like that, if they're going to understand me or if we are going to relate or if it's going to feel so foreign and distant. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking about some, some things that come up in client sessions too, feeling like some people kind of reserve their cultural or racial experience to something more private or with their family, as opposed to something that they feel like they can bring up to friends who don't share their same cultural background and kind of like where they might even suggest places to eat or what they talk about um, with new friends because of that. No, I I think that those are, that's such a great point. And in some ways it relates to the last episode that we recorded where we talked about our identities. And one thing that I know we all spoke about was how it felt for us to live in really white communities. And even if it wasn't on a conscious level, on a subconscious level, I was definitely thinking about that stuff around how will this person perceive me? How will my current group of mostly all white friends think about the food that my mom cooks? Are they going to come to my house and say that it smells funny? Like these things that maybe on some level are about safety and friendships. And then how does that then translate into our adult lives when we navigate these spaces too, of trying to find people or communities where we feel like we'll connect or feel safe or accepted and the parts of ourselves that we feel safe sharing. Yeah. And, and how it can work both like intentionally, consciously, you know, like you said, it is about safety and I guess levels of disclosure, right? Like how far you may feel you can go with someone, um, which also in a way ties back to like how, how friendships end up deepening, right? Like if you put something out there and the other person responds well and you realize like we do connect over this or this person does understand, right? But sometimes our own unconscious biases prevent us from putting certain things out there, even if the other person may understand and we just don't give them a chance to see that part of us. The vulnerability of trying to build a relationship. Yeah. I'm mindful that I always enjoy making new friends or like I always appreciate when other people reach out even if I'm not always doing it on my end too and like something that I'm 
so conscious of is how often I think about my friendships, whether they're longer term or someone that I am interested in connecting with more often. And that compared to how often I actually reach out to them Mm -hmm. is so disparate. And so I know that my actions or how my friends might be experienced me isn't always aligned with how I actually feel or how connected I feel to them from a distance. Oh, Christy, I relate to that so much. And, you know, I consider myself a very introverted person, not in this sense that I don't like spending time with people, but that it's very exhausting for me. And I think, you know, when I think about experiences living with roommates and what that's been like, they've all been very understanding. But I think when I compare myself, I definitely have always needed the most alone time in like any space that I've ever lived in. And so there can be the sense of, I love my friends so much and I do think about them often. And I think about how close, but I also know that I'm not always the one that's reaching out or wanting to hop on a FaceTime call. You know, I think I'm at a point with a lot of my friends where they understand that about me, but when you're navigating a new adult friendship, I have to be really mindful about how my own introversion might come off to somebody who's new, perhaps around them thinking that I'm not interested in being friends or that, you know, I didn't, I must not think that we clicked in that same way because I took, you know, a day to respond to a text, which is really more about my own issue around texting than it is about how interested I might be in getting to know that person. I think that's interesting because I think in new friendships, I have tended to be the person that reaches out mm-hmm. because I I think I've lost that sense of like embarrassment of like, <laughs> what are they going to think about me? It's like, I had a good time and, you know, I'm just going to put it out there that I had a good time. We should do it again. And then, you know, it is, it is, it's hard to navigate in the beginning because you, you can only do that like a couple of times and then you need some reciprocation to, to move forward. Right. So I think I try to have leeway for people and I'm, I don't think it's an introversion thing, but I do think it's about someone who's reciprocating or, or at least consistent. Right. And I think that's, that often gets in the way with friendships deepening overall, I think like, you know, if one person feels like they're always doing the work to make plans or they make plans and then this other friend is always bailing last minute or something, then I feel like that kind of puts a block on a friendship deepening if both parties aren't maintaining or reciprocating. Definitely. Yeah, it's like this thing you have to build together with two willing parties, so mm-hmm. to speak. But um, I feel you, Sam, like I similarly lose so much energy after social interaction, even if it's so joyful and fun in the moment. But because of that, my default, if I have any free time, it's like, oh, I get to be alone Mm -hmm. (laughs) or I get to do something that I want or that I've been kind of waiting for by the end of the week. And my thought isn't often like, okay, who can I reach out to? Or like, what plan can I make with this extra time? Even if I say yes to something that a friend invites me to, I know it'll be so fun or I know it'll be so nourishing to have friend time, but it's interesting to hear from your end, Diana, of like, you feel a lot more confident or like feel a lot Mm -hmm. more capable and the kind of the energy of like, yeah, let's do it again to build something new. I wish that I had more of it. Me too. 
And Diana, hearing you reflect that, it's interesting because I think about how our three relationships started and it started because Diana reached out to Christy and I. So in some ways it's like (laughs) a perfect mirror of that. And that we've also, as we've been talking about this, I think about how we've all become friends in adulthood and how, you know, we aren't people that have known each other since college or high school or whatever like that. That is really funny. Um, But you guys responded, you know, so I think (laughs) that's how it works, right? Yeah. Yeah, we built could have together. easily ignored that email and said, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting kind of how we started this conversation around termination in therapy and like those like connections that we're building, even if we're not seeing a client weekly or regularly anymore, like all of the nervousness that comes up around adult friendships and the kind of the stories that we tell ourselves about other people and ourselves. So if anyone has thoughts about adult friendships, you can find us on Instagram at Bridges Mental Health. And should we invite people to rate and review us now? Yeah. Rate us on iTunes. That's what all the podcasters say these days, right? (laughs) It really helps us out. It really helps the algorithm. Does it? I know everybody says that, but (laughs) we're just sheep. If if everybody says it, it must be true. Or just any feedback. Yeah. Bye everybody. Bye. Bye.